Welcome to the sermon podcast of Gamble Street Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Gamble Street Baptist Church has been sharing the gospel for over 100 years. This podcast includes sermons from our traditional Sunday morning service and our contemporary services on Sunday evenings. We hope God speaks to you through this sermon. Thank you, choir. It's amazing that 11 people can make such beautiful music and do it so well. Thank you very much. I'm grateful for the music we have each week. I want to say two or three things before we look at the message. First of all, thank you. Thank you for praying for me and for my family during the time we were gone. I've been out for two weeks now, so I'm pretty well backed up, so get ready for a long sermon. Two weeks ago, my wife was ill suddenly on Sunday morning, and so I didn't get to come. And a week ago, I was in Oregon uh, preaching at the funeral of my brother. And you've been so good to pray and encourage. Thank you for those of you who sent messages of encouragement. I'm grateful to each one of you for that. I thank you. Then I want to thank Larry Parker. He didn't fall all the way down, but he made me feel at home. (laughs) You can remember when I fell up here and I went all the way to my knees. The deacons were sitting on the front row, as was our tradition at that time. And and I thought that one of them never was going to get his composure back, (laughs) laughing at that. But I'm grateful to be here and and grateful to be able to share with you on this first Sunday of Advent. It is a beautiful thing that we celebrate. I am going to do something different than normally. I'm not going to read the passage initially that's printed in the bulletin. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And that, of course, because it's a first Sunday of Advent, leads us to that position of celebrating the coming of our Lord. And then later on, we'll look at the other part of the passage that uh, is printed in the bulletin. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Would you like to stand together to honor the reading of the Word of God? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first sentence that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and lineage of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Stop fearing. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. If you've been around here a long time, you know that probably my favorite author in modern times is Calvin Miller. He has been promoted to the father's house. His wife, widow, still lives in Hunter, Oklahoma now, but he has gone to be with the Lord. So there'll be no more of these kinds of writings from him. His first book that I found was a book called The Singer. It's part of a trilogy, The Singer, The Song, The Finale. And he wrote a bunch more books. A show dog couldn't jump over it, a big bunch. But he, he got upset with me when I would say, this is your best book. He would say, don't you think I've grown in my writing any? And I'd say, I'm sure you have, but this is the best. You can't improve on the subject matter of the gospel. You know, of course, the, the way it's set up. It's a poetic paraphrase of the gospel. And in the gospel, Father Spirit or Earth Maker is God the Father. And the singer or the troubadour is God the Son. And the river singer is John the Baptist. And it goes on like that. It's a magnificent poem. There are some things that are done with poetry that are just impossible, it seems, to do in prose. You can say these things, you can, you can listen to the word, and it fits. It's appropriate. It is so with the portion that he has about the incarnation. He says, the Father Spirit in his troubadour sat down upon the outer rim of space. And here, my singer, Earthmaker said, is the crown of all my endless skies, the green-brown sphere of all my hopes. He reached and took the round new planet down and held it to his ears. They're crying, troubadour, he said. They all keep crying. He gave the little ball unto his son, who also held it to his ear. Year after weary year, they keep crying. They seem born to weep and die. Our new man taught them crying in the fall. It is a peaceless globe. Some are sincere in desperate desire to see her freed of her absurdity. But war is here. Men die in conflict, bathed in blood and greed. Then with his, with his nail he scraped the atmosphere, and both of them beheld the planet bleed. Give me your vast, Earthmaker said, Earth spending on its way, and said, Give me your vast infinity, my son. I'll wrap it in a bit of clay and enter there microscopically to love the little souls who weep away their lives. I will, he said, set Terra free. And then he fell asleep, and all awareness fled. He felt his very being shrinking down, and dwindling dread all sighs decayed. The universe around drew back. He woke upon a tiny bed of straw in one of Terra's smaller towns. 
And now the great reduction has begun. Earthmaker and his troubadour are one. And here's the new redeeming melody, the only song that can set Terra free. The shrine of older days must be set by. Mankind must see Earthmaker left the sky, and they must know that Christ is he. They must believe the song or die. It is a marvelous expression that tells us that God came to earth as a baby, grew into a man, sinless, paid the price for our sinfulness. The scripture says, cursed is everyone who's hanged upon a tree. And he died upon Calvary's cross in our place. He became our savior. Many years ago, I listened to Billy Graham read a poem by Susie M. Best. I had a hard time finding it and putting it where I could make it out on a place like this. Susie M. Best was looking toward what could have happened on that night that Jesus came. She inserts, this is not the authority of scripture, but she inserts things that could fit very easily. She says, that night, when in Judean skies the mystic star dispensed its light, a blind man stirred in his sleep and dreamed that he had sight. That night, when shepherds heard the song of hosts angelic hovering near, a deaf man stirred in slumber's spell and dreamed that he could hear. That night, when in the cattle stall slept child and mother cheek by Joe, a cripple turned his twisted limbs and dreamed that he was whole. That night when o'er the newborn babe the tender Mary rose to lean, a loathsome leper smiled in sleep and dreamed that he was clean. That night when to his mother's breast the little king was held secure, a harlot slept a happy sleep and dreamed that she was pure. That night when in the manger lay the sanctified who came to save a man moved in the sleep of death and dreamed there was no grave. What a magnificent night that was when the Lord Christ awoke upon a tiny bed of straw in one of Terra's smaller towns. A magnificent night that brought hope that nobody had even dreamed about until that time. One who would come and change everything. Twisted limbs would be made whole. Lepers would be made clean. The blind would be made to see, and the deaf would be able to hear. I want to read that passage from Isaiah. It's a very special, delightful passage. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. It's a prophetic passage, of course, a messianic passage in the Old Testament. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on Daniel's th David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
that marvelous passage, of course, from the Old Covenant brings our hearts back to that night when Jesus woke upon a tiny bed of straw in one of Tara's smaller towns. Many years ago, I can say many about nearly everything I remember now. <laughs> Seems like a long time. But many years ago, the young people taught us a song. We never really learned it much in church. We heard the young people singing it at camp meetings and different kinds of places. I wish they were still at camp meetings. We brought the camp meeting experience to church a lot of the time, but I, I digress. <laughs> I am grateful for some of the songs that they taught us, though, for some of them had great substance and meaning and spoke to our hearts in remarkable fashion. One of them was a little song that said, Here Comes Jesus. We sang that part of it over and over again, but not constantly. We sang it and came back to it. Here comes Jesus. See him walking in the water. He'll lift you up and cause you to stand. And all sorts of stanzas like that came with that, Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus, of course, is the em emphasis of the whole Bible. You know, I have talked about the fact that in 1 Peter, we're told that the Old Testament really has as its substance the fact that God is going to do something for man that he can't do for himself. Man cannot lift himself up by his own bootstraps and bring him into the presence of God and cleanse himself from his sin. Only Jesus can do that. Here comes Jesus to do that kind of thing. And over and over and over again, we celebrate the fact that Jesus indeed came. Isaiah prophesied about God's provision for his people. And Israel actually waited for the coming one, the Messiah. Sigmund Movinkel, a Jewish writer, scholar of the Old Testament, penned a book entitled, He That Cometh. They were looking for the coming one. You remember John the Baptist's words when he was in prison. And he sent his disciples to Jesus who seemed to be having a good time as he did life. And he said, ask him this question. Are you the one who comes or do we look for another? It's a magnificent question, but it has a remarkable answer. Jesus said to them, go tell John what you see. The lame are made to walk. The blind are made to see. The deaf are made to hear. Those who are bankrupt are blessed by the Father. Things have changed now that Jesus has come. He has come to do his mission, and he's doing it in remarkable fashion. And you never heard anything else of question from John the Baptist. You read about the fact, of course, that he confronted the, the magistrate, the tetrarch, pointed his finger in his face and said, it's wrong for you to have your brother's wife. And his brother's wife, Herodias, hated him for that and eventually effected his death. But, uh, but John the Baptist wasn't stirred by any of those things. He was stirred by the fact that really moved him. Jesus had come, and he's about his mission. He's doing that thing. Again, in the singer, 
Miller portrays that incarnation that Isaiah wrote about that makes the world different. It's a thing that took place on Calvary's mountain that is the centerpiece of all the world's history, but it wouldn't have happened if Jesus hadn't been willing to come and invade earth in the body of a man. And he did. He really came. We're celebrating Advent, the coming, and Jesus really came. It's just hard to imagine that God became man and walked in our midst. He came to Bethlehem, and there the shepherds came and bowed around him. It'd be a couple of years before the wise men would come and bring him gifts. He came to Bethlehem and was celebrated there in the quiet place. He came to the temple and confounded the wise men, the clerics there. He came to the river and the river singer baptized him and the spirit of God in the form of a dove came and rested on his shoulder. And John the Baptist celebrated. He came to the desert. He came to Nazareth. They said initially, this is the carpenter's son, supposedly. He grew up in our midst. He can't be who he says he is. But he was. And he walked out among them when they would have stoned him and went away to continue to preach. He came to a party. And when the party was dying, he gave it life, made a radical difference so that the host of the party would say, what you've done now has brought a kind of joy that I didn't have to bring. There were those who would say to the host, most people save their, serve their good wine first and save the weak stuff, nothing there that worth tasting to the land, and you brought the best at the last. It was but water until Jesus touched it and made it acceptable. He came to the sick, and the lepers were made clean. And the blind were made to see. And dead were raised. Everywhere he went, there was reason for joy and celebration if one trusted in him and knew him. He came to teach, and he did remarkably. He came to the hungry and fed them. He came to confront, and he did that with abject seriousness and confounding them, he moved them. But mostly, he came to die. Christmas is nothing without Calvary. Christmas is everything because of Calvary. It is a wonderful thing. He came to die, and he did die, and God raised him up. You know that story, and on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate that. We talk about that. Sometimes when I was pastor here, we preached about it for seven Sundays. It's a, it's a great time. You know that. God raised him up and everything was different. God raised him up and he could say as he went away, this same Jesus will come again. He came and he said to them in that marvelous reading of his will, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come back and get you. 
Now, you can argue about eschatology the rest of your life, but that's all you really need. He's coming back to get us. The, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, is coming again. And we celebrate that. That coming will be a fantastic, joyous time. And I can't tell you more about it because I don't know more about it. I just know what Scripture says about it. But it'll be a joyous time for those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I hope you're one of those. I hope you do know Jesus. We're going to sing together an invitational hymn. And we're going to invite you to come forward and express if God has on your heart a decision you need to make to come and link your life with this faith family and be a part of our fellowship if the Lord leads you here to, to come and declare Jesus Christ is worthy to be my Savior. I can't be saved without him. What a magnificent statement to make. And we invite you to do that this morning to rededicate your life to Christ or whatever God would have you do. We invite you to do it. We're going to sing together just now a hymn of invitation and invite you to come as we sing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gamble Street Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you have questions, we would love to speak with you. Please call 817-926-1785 to speak with a minister. If you live in or will be traveling to the Fort Worth area, we would love to have you visit. Gambrel Street Baptist Church has six church goals to reach the lost for Christ, to learn more about Christ, to touch the city through Christ, to train leaders to serve Christ, to embrace the world with Christ, and to build strong families in Christ. Please join us for our next episode.